For our scripture reading, we turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, begin at verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who has spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it's a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation. For I have written a letter unto you in few words. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he come shortly, I will see you. Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. So far we read from the, the scriptures this morning. 
and what we read and the rest of Holy Scripture are the basis for the teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism in, in Lord's Day 7. There we read. Are all men then, as they perished in Adam, saved by Christ? And the answer, no, only those who are engrafted into him and receive all his benefits by a true faith. What is true faith? True faith is not only a certain knowledge whereby I hold for truth all that God has revealed to us in his word, but also an assured confidence, which the Holy Ghost works by the gospel in my heart, that not only to others, but to me also, remission of sin, everlasting righteousness, and salvation are freely given by God merely of grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. What is then necessary for a Christian to believe? All things promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith briefly teach us. What are these articles? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Dearly beloved, our Lord Jesus Christ, this Lord's Day after discussing the mediator that we need, the Savior that we need, then starts off this Lord's Day by asking if all men are saved in Jesus Christ. Uh, are all men as they perished in Adam saved by Christ? Christ? And the answer that's given is, is no. Only some, only some are engrafted into him and receive all his benefits by a true faith. We might ask an additional question. Not merely are all men saved, but we might ask an additional question also, and that is, are all those who confess Christ, who confess that they believe in Christ, do they all really have faith? And of course, the answer to that would also be well, no. There are many that confess Christ that don't really have faith. Well, what is Faith. What characterizes true faith? And that's what question and answer 21 answers. Many have wrong ideas about faith and what faith is. That they speak of faith, and they may speak frequently of faith, and yet many do not have a biblical idea of what faith actually, what it is. This Lord's Day speaks to us about what faith is, and it 
also speaks about the importance of what we confess. It moves from the subject of what faith is to what doctrines do we hold to? Is that, is that in, in important at all? There are those that would speak, you know, what's important and say, say what's important is that we believe in Jesus, but what doctrines you hold to really doesn't make that much difference. Yet this Lord's Day, rightly, goes from the subject of what true faith is, faith in Christ, and also what is necessary for the Christian to believe. And then it summarizes what we must believe, but then it goes on in the confession explaining those articles. So it doesn't just say, we must believe the Apostles' Creed and leave it at that. But then it's going to go through the Apostles' Creed, explaining the articles and what we are to believe with regard to the things that are stated in those different articles of our Catholic, undoubted Christian faith. And we take note of how that truth that we confess concerning Christ does not change. We confess the same truth that was confessed by our fathers in the old dispensation. We believe the same as our father Abraham. There are those that are always trying to come up with something new. Sometimes they use the word fresh. Fresh ideas, fresh interpretations, some new ideas that may catch on for a while and then they may lose their popularity for a while and then there may be another new teaching that comes up and then there may be people that are reading up on that and people are turning to that and then as times change there may be a change away from that to something different. Well, what we confess is the same truth that's been confessed by our fathers, and not only our Reformed fathers, not only is it the case that we hold to confessions that were written centuries ago. Some may wonder, why do you, why do you hold to a creed that was written so long ago? I mean, so much has changed since then. 1563! Why are you holding, you know, some doctrine written way in the past? And we say, well, the truth is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same truth that is confessed by God's people, not only from the Reformation time to today, but also before that. The same truth passed down from generation to generation. Of course, God's people over time are led by the Spirit to grow in their understanding of that truth and to set forth that truth in more detail. But it's the same truth from generation to generation concerning Christ. When we talk about faith, it's good also to look at it from the viewpoint of the fact that we trust in this Jesus. We often say, you know, we don't have perfect faith. We do believe. We do have real faith, but we don't have perfect faith. And we do see in our own life times when we're afraid times we're, we're anxious, times we get down, sometimes we may be quite down and discouraged. And then we hear an exhortation, well, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. You know him. 
He loves you. You know he loves you. You think of the doctrines we confess. You do believe these. We believe these. This is the truth of the word of God. We believe what is promised us in the gospel. And the Spirit reminds us, and perhaps a brother or sister reminds us of what God has promised us in the gospel of Christ. And we're encouraged by that word of God. Trust in the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait patiently for him. We trust in and we believe in that changeless Jesus who cares for us, who laid down his life for us, and who provides us with that which we need. We consider this Lord's Day under the theme, Faith in the Changeless Jesus. We consider, first of all, the true faith, secondly, the changeless Savior, and thirdly, the firm trust. First of all, some, some points to remember about this Lord's Day. You look at Lord's Day 7. What are some specific points to take note of in a brief overview? One point to take note of is that it brings out particular salvation very clearly. Not the idea that all human beings will be saved. We don't say that we can hope that maybe in the end it'll be the case that all human beings really will be saved. Well, God has told us that that is not the case. So it quite clearly brings out particular and unconditional salvation. Another point we see in this Lord's Day is that it brings out the idea of the, what we often call the bond of faith. The idea that we're engrafted into Christ by faith is brought out in this Lord's Day. So that it speaks of faith in answer 21 about it, faith as knowledge and confidence. And that's another important point. What faith is to remember that knowledge and confidence is faith. But also the idea that we're engrafted into him. And that even an infant can be engrafted into Christ by faith. So if somebody says, why do you baptize infants? They don't have faith. What do you mean they don't have faith? When you talk about being engrafted into Christ, even an infant can be engrafted into Christ by faith. It's a gift of God. We don't say that all of them head for head. We don't know which ones are. But we know that salvation is unconditional. And this idea of the bond of faith is brought out in this Lord's Day. And this Lord's Day speaks of the importance of the doctrines that we hold to over against many that speak lightly of, you know, the significance of whether you hold to this doctrine or that doctrine. First of all, with regard to that idea of the bond, is it the case that somebody first requests to receive the bond of faith, and then they do? Well, we know the answer to that is no. Somebody, before they are engrafted into Christ, would be dead. Would be spiritually dead. That's entirely the work of God. The idea that he engrafts us into Christ. Or, in the canons, the word that we use is that faith is infused into us. Entirely a gift. And God, the idea that God puts, what he does is he puts his word, his law, he puts his law in our heart. Well, there we have the law of God in our heart. And as was said, that, that can happen even in, in the womb. Well, how could an infant receive that? Well, salvation's unconditional. Christ did all that was required 
for us to receive the blessings of salvation, there's no conditions that we have to fulfill. In fact, with regard to those that would say that faith is a condition, and perhaps say so while also saying that they hold to the Heidelberg Catechism, and perhaps other Reformed creeds, how could you answer how, you know, what are some things we could say with regard to that? Well, one thing you can say is looking at this very Lord's Day, it doesn't refer to it. When the question is asked, are all men then as they perished in Adam saved by Christ? It doesn't say, no, only those that fulfill the condition. It doesn't say that. It says, no, only those that are engrafted. And it brings in, in what God does. He engrafts us. It doesn't say, no, only those that invite Jesus into their heart. It says, no, only those that are engrafted into him. And the canons, the third and fourth head, Article 14, very clearly brings out the idea that it's a gift. Knowing that there are those that speak and explain the whole, the whole idea of faith being a gift wrongly and have in the past, it's uh, an article that very clearly, third and fourth head, Article 14, says, now faith is a gift of God, and then it explains some wrong ideas about what faith is what it means that faith is a gift and says out oh, what it does mean. It doesn't mean that faith is just offered to man to be accepted or rejected, but it means that he infuses faith into us. And some have faith. And there are God's people that have faith and aren't even consciously aware of the fact that they have faith. Consider an infant that's been engrafted into Christ by faith and isn't even consciously aware of it. Faith is a gift. Faith is purchased. It's another point to bring out, and that's also in the our creeds in the second head of the canons, Article 8, that faith was purchased. For us, it was purchased for our children. And that brings up the subject of the cross. He purchased for us by his death the blessings, the gift of faith. Belongs to the gift that we receive. It's also important to bring out that when people talk about an offer of the gospel, sometimes that offer of the gospel has been referred to as a well-meant offer with the idea being that God offers salvation with a desire that all humans that hear that offer be saved. But if you say, well, is it the case that all who hear the offer, as you refer to it, are they all saved? Well, no, because many don't fulfill the conditions. So then they resist. Well, don't we confess irresistible grace? That's the eye of the tulip. Irresistible grace. All those who are recipients of the grace of God are saved. We confess the truth of irresistible grace. We bring up the idea of salvation being referred to with the language of creation. We become, we are new creatures. Well, does a creature resist being created? Does that make any sense? To talk about a creature resisting being created. Or someone being raised from the dead. I mean, we were dead. And God raises us to life. 
So that idea of the bond of faith, and about the idea of it being infused into us, is very important. Also, to be able to explain that faith is knowledge and confidence, and to understand the significance of both those, not only the, the fact that that's an accurate explanation of what faith is, but also that faith is, is knowledge. So it's not holding to some idea that we don't really know if it's true. If you were talking to people, maybe somebody that you work with or somebody that you come in contact with that has very little understanding of what the scriptures say, maybe they'd say, you know, they have faith in God. If you were to ask that person, what do you, you know, what, what is faith even? Many have the idea that there's certain things you know and you can prove, and then there's other ideas that you hold to, but you don't really know if they're true or not. But you hold to them. Well, faith is, is knowledge. When, what we hold to is something we know for sure. Because God tells us. That's, how, that's why we know it for sure, because he's the one that has told us. And whatever he has told us, we know, is, we know is the truth. We have no doubt about the things that we hold to. Sure, there are many passages of Scripture that we struggle to understand. Every time we read the Bible, we're struck by there's aspects of things, there are things that are said there that we don't understand. Sometimes we search to find answers and we still don't understand. Yet, what we confess here are doctrines that we do know and have no doubt that they're the truth of the Word of God. So how does true faith then differ from what's not real? Well, we mentioned that true faith is knowledge. We mentioned, uh, we should go on and mention also that true faith is confidence. You know, confidence of what? That's important to understand too. What does it mean that we're confident? Does it mean simply that we're confident that if God says it, it's true? Well, certainly we are. We have no doubt that what God says is true. But notice that the way it explains it is that salvation is given not just not only to others, but to me. I'm assured of that. Not only that I hear that God saves his people, which are some people and not others, but also I'm assured that I'm one of those people who has received the gift of salvation. We say that not only to others, but to me also, remission of sin, everlasting righteousness, and salvation are freely given by God, merely of grace, not because I fulfilled some condition, but only for the sake of Christ's merits. That's true faith. True faith is faith in the heart. True faith has a firm root. And one with true faith will bring forth fruit. Those are three things that are mentioned in the canons is how it's distinguished from false faith is that true faith is faith in the heart true faith has a firm root and one with true faith will bring forth fruit so we get faith from what source that actually comes up later 
Well, it's worked in us by the Holy Spirit. It works by the proclamation of the gospel. The Holy Spirit's called the Lord and giver of life. And he works faith in our heart by the preaching of the gospel, which brings out the importance of what we hold to. We believe in Jesus. Well, believing it, one who believes in Jesus confesses what Jesus taught. And that can be a, a bridge over to the, to the subject of the doctrines. As was mentioned, there are those who say, you know, what's important is just that one believes in Jesus. Well, of course, what's you know, that we, we're called to believe in Jesus. But the question is, we, we're to believe, or the, the point is, we're to believe what God says about Jesus. And about what Jesus accomplished. And about what Jesus does in us. The, the doctrines that Christ has taught us. Well, it's very important that we hold to the things that he has taught us. We must hold to all of what's revealed. We can't just decide what we want to hold to and what we, we don't hold to. It says, true faith is a certain knowledge whereby I hold for truth all that God has revealed. Including things in Genesis 1. For example, or about the flood, or Romans 9 on election and reprobation, all that God has revealed, we hold for truth. And we're to seek to understand it. We, don't, we obviously confess that we have much to learn, so we seek to grow more to understand which if we, if we hold for truth all that God has revealed that shows that we also desire to understand what God has revealed and we look to God to guide us and we desire to grow in our ability to confess what we believe in words in words. Sometimes a person might say, you know, they, I have a deep, very deep personal faith, but I can't really express it in words. Well, we are to express what we believe in words. We're to grow in our understanding that we may express it clearly in in words to the glory of God we want to glorify our God offer the sacrifice of praise to God well we praise him declaring his word we declare his wondrous works well we're to grow in understanding we may praise him with understanding, understanding the things that we're saying. And Lord's Day 7 summarizes what we believe and confesses a, that we believe what was taught in the Apostles' Creed. So we talked a moment ago about somebody saying, you still hold to something that was confessed centuries ago? Well, in this confession, we even go farther back to the Apostles' Creed and say, well, we're holding to the same thing that has been confessed when, when the Apostles' Creed was written. And, of course, this same, that's, there was a time when that, doc, when that creed was put together. But even before that, the same truth was was confessed 
And of course, after the Holy Spirit, after Christ arose from the dead, ascended into heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit, God guided the church to a deeper understanding and confessed the, what's set forth here concerning Christ's death and his resurrection and ascension and so on. But we hold to the same doctrines that have been confessed in the past and we build on them. That's an important point that can be pointed out from this Lord's Day. That what we don't do is say, well, if we live in a new day today, situation's different today, so we need a, a new confession for the you know, 21st century, for the things that we're going through today, and we can discard what was taught, confessed in the past, and start with something fresh. We don't, the, the idea that's wrong is the discarding. We're saying this is old, we don't, you know, confess that anymore. What the church does, and, what, and it's seen right here, is that this creed took a creed that, all, that the church already had and expanded on it. It says, we, but what we must believe is what's said in the Apostles' Creed. And then it goes on article by article, first looking at the divisions of the articles before getting into each article individually, how are these articles divided, looks at that, and then goes through what we are, what we believe concerning the different things that are mentioned so that we explain these articles. And the church could add more, if the church desired to, and give more detail. For example, there was a while where we had the Churches had the Heidelberg Catechism and they had the Belgic Confession. And then there was seen to be a need for the Canons of Dort to give some further explanation. And so there could be an adding of more detailed explanations, but that's, as the church grows in her understanding, she sets it forth in, in more detail. That's one thing, to set forth the truth in, in more detail. And that, we are to grow in our understanding. But it's another thing to discard what's in the past. If we're going to reject the old and start fresh. The truth of the word of God doesn't change. Jesus does not change. The scriptures say, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever and then it's that is followed by a, an exhortation don't be carried about with diverse and strange doctrines don't depart from that truth and be carried about with these diverse and different strange teachings but hold to the same truth that our fathers confessed that is passed down from generation to generation. The same truth concerning Jesus Christ. You know, today, as it was in the past, there's always this desire to hear something new. We know that was characteristic of the Athenians. It says, they spent their time in nothing else. 
but either to tell or to hear some new thing. That was what the Athenians did. And that's referred to in Acts 17, verse 21. Always want to hear something new. Well, it'd be new for a while. Then after a while, that wouldn't be new anymore. Then I want to hear something else that's new. Well, we hear the same truth that's been taught from generation to generation. You can go back to the Garden of Eden concerning the promised seed of the woman. Where there is development is that we so much have room to grow in our understanding. We're to thoroughly understand what has been handed down to us. That's why we go through the Heidelberg Catechism. That's why we make reference to the confession. The other confessions is we're to thoroughly understand what has been handed down. But then we're also to search to grow in our understanding. And to read and to study and to discuss the word together, seeking to grow in our own understanding. And we know in times of when there's strife and when there are disagreements, we know that one thing God does do We know God averts evil or turns it to our profit. And we know that he leads us to look more to the word, to our confessions, and to the scriptures. And in the trial that we've been going through, there has been a lot of looking at the confessions, looking at the scriptures, talking about the word together. Recently, the ministers gathered, many of them uh, virtually, but there was a minister's gathering to talk about the word together, talk about various doctrines, listen to one another. And one person said, you know, I don't know if this has ever happened. And nobody could think of a time that it did, where we, we, of course, now we have the capability of doing that too, because we can, people can connect by like Zoom, and you can listen to one another, though, we're in different parts of the country. People are making reference to the confessions, scripture, and we're talking about different doctrines together, working together, working together with a united goal that we together might glorify our God. And that's true of us as, you know, the different members, all the different members of the body, young and old, male and female, that we work together, seeking to grow in our understanding, delighting Delighting to learn. Learning as one who truly loves Christ, who communes with him, who's thankful. We love our Lord who died for us. And loving him, we desire to learn about what he's, what he, the, the scriptures are all about him. And to glorify our God, our Savior. And in the trials we face, not to turn aside, trust in the Lord. 
talk about what faith is, understanding what faith is, and the importance of holding to the doctrines that we hold to. We look at this also from the viewpoint of trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Trust only. Trust in him alone. We're not to be afraid. We're not to be discouraged. There are times when we can get down, can get discouraged. We have such times. We have such times that we're fearful. We may not want to say that we are afraid or that we're anxious. But we have such times, and our children do too. Our children have times when there's anxiety, there's, there's worry. There's something they're afraid of. We say here in Hebrews 13 that we boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Repeatedly we see that in the Psalms, that idea, trust in the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will not fear. He is my refuge and my strength. He is with me. I know he will guide me. We also recognize our need to be strengthened. And the scriptures say we, we confess, we call out to God and he strengthens me with strength in my soul. In my soul. Trust in the Lord. Go to him. None of us can say we pray as we ought. We pray. Many times we're worried and concerned about something, and then the obvious, well, why don't you pray to God? Well, yeah, why don't I pray to God? And pray trusting, believing, expecting all good from Him. So that we not only pray, well, we think and confess that God, for Christ's sake, will hear my prayer. He will grant what I need, even as he, even as he has. And we can remember times in the past when we've been afraid or nervous or down, we've gone to God. And God has upheld us. God has comforted us. All that we've needed. We sing that, all that we've needed. We know that he's provided. And he has. And we know he will going forward. So can anything separate you from his love? Is that possible? <coughs> That something could separate you from his love? And you say, no, no, I know that nothing can. He'll provide. He'll protect. And we're to confess the truth boldly. So that we confess that what Christ has taught us as one who personally holds to that truth, loves the changeless Savior, 
and delights to praise his name, trusting in him, looking to him for all that we need. What a joy we have in Christ. We know our sins are forgiven. That's in this Lord's day. Remission of sin, everlasting righteousness, and salvation are given not only to others, but to me. It's an example of something, not that we just quickly go over that, say, yeah, I know that. We meditate on that. All my sins washed away. Remission of sin, everlasting righteousness. Freely given. Salvation freely given for the sake of Christ's merit. Our Savior who died for us, that we might live with him that we might live with God. May we praise him. May we exalt his name and express our love for him and live to his honor. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord, our God, our Father in heaven, we do thank thee, O Lord, for the gift of faith and we are thankful for our Savior who died for us and who dwells within us. Lord, strengthen us that we may not be discouraged, cast down, that we may not be afraid, but trust in thee. Thou art faithful. Thou art the unchanging God, the faithful covenant-keeping God. And we know that thy word is true. And we are so thankful for thy covenant made with us and with our children. Lord, forgive our sins. Lord, cleanse us of unrighteousness. Strengthen us spiritually. And grant us grace to learn, to grow, and to praise and exalt thy name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.